if anything, I wouldn't change what I've gone through because every lesson has made me smarter, tougher. And at the same time, it's, you know, it's built me into a better human being. It's taught me how to be humble and not forget where I come from. And, you know, to remember my family and how important that is. You know, if anything, like I said, all I would tell my younger self is just be, be patient, you know, be willing to open your mind to different possibilities and just don't forget where you come from. I'm lost in those blue wires of yours. You're listening to the rhythm from my heart. We're in this moment with no one else Caught in an instant in time It's just and it's still Hello everyone and welcome to Living in the Limelight. I'm your host, Jay Huller. As a quick reminder, please follow us on Instagram at Living in the Limelight Show and check out our website at livinginthelimelight.com. And of course, you can find our podcast through all the major streaming services, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Each week, we feature a conversation with a different artist where we delve into what makes them tick, and sometimes we get pro tips on pursuing a career as an artist. If you're a performer who would like to be considered for our show, check out the questionnaire at livinginthelimelight.com, and thanks, of course, so much for listening. Ryan Little Eagle is a Native American singer-songwriter and musician from San Antonio, Texas, now living in Black Hills, South Dakota. Influenced by the likes of George Strait, Johnny Cash, and others, Little Eagle blends the rich storytelling of country Americana music with the cultural roots of First Nations music, creating a style called Native Americana. Ryan is a multi-award-winning international performer and musician having won two Native American Music Awards, and two Canadian Indigenous Music Awards. Ryan has enjoyed performing for diverse crowds throughout the United States and internationally in the Caribbean and South America. He has released four albums as well as several singles, including his most recent release, Made for Two, featured right here on this podcast. Additionally, Little Eagle is a Native American cultural educator and traditional dancer, having spoken at private events museums, schools, and colleges throughout the United States. His great respect for his culture and people is evident and representative in a positive way through his music. Let's welcome Ryan Little Eagle to Living in the Limelight. Yes. Hey, welcome to Living in the Limelight. How are you doing today? Uh, you know, just another day in paradise. <laughs> well, you have been touring like a madman through Georgia. I was looking at your dates just a little bit ago, and you've been quite busy. Is that normal? Are you like a heavy tourer? Yeah. Yeah, I'm usually 300 plus shows a year. Do you uh, do you get around to a lot of the U.S.? Because um, I know in in reading about you, you're, you grew up in San Antonio, which I'd love to talk about. But uh, do you try to travel as much as you can to kind of uh, to get your music out there? Or do you concentrate in certain areas? Uh, kind of a bit of both. I mean, I've been basically between Georgia, Texas, and the Midwest for the last couple of years. Try to make any trip or excuse I can to go try new things. Like this year, uh, actually next month, I'm going basically from here to Nashville to Indianapolis, St. Louis, Wisconsin, the UT of Michigan, North Dakota, parts of uh, Minnesota. Wow. So all over. <laughs> Yeah, and I've always wondered about that. Is is that something that you, as a sort of like an independent musician, you have to get feelers out to say, well, hey, I think my music would, would be great here, or do you have places that and like are lined up that are calling you saying you got to get here and you sort of organize it by state, or is it a little bit of both? It's a, some marketing and some uh, selecting, if you know what I mean. Uh a lot of it is like a dartboard <laughs> with a map. <laughs> uh-huh. um, there are some places that do reach out to try to book me um, in certain areas that I've gotten more known. But in these like random towns, it's a lot of headhunting, a lot of phone calls and tireless days of five, six hours on the phone for a couple maybes, a bunch of emails, and the one occasion that 
Let me hear how you sound. Okay, we're interested. <laughs> oh, interesting. And they'll, I mean, they, can't they just look you up on Spotify to hear how you sound, or do they? Yeah, are you to like a lot this? of it. Yeah. A lot of it's Spotify, but I also have, uh, you know, the standard YouTube. I have my website up, so it makes it easier to send them just there and go, hey, here's a couple of videos of what I do. <laughs> yeah, that's that. It seems like the, with a digital age stage, you just kind of kind of point and say, well, let me know what you think. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. I, I wanted to go back because I, I love the origin stories of, of, of artists because it's kind of what this podcast is about is like, figuring out what uh what drives you guys to to get on stage and and share um so i don't know how far back we want to go but i always like to go back to the beginning where you kind of like first got that spark of you know picking up an instrument whatever instrument that was and uh and exploring the music and how did that happen for you were you like encouraged to do it or was it kind of a natural thing uh there was encouragement when i was a kid but you know when you're a kid and you you're being told to do stuff by your parents often you really listen. Um, what it was, my dad's company at the time that he was working for got bought up. So they moved him actually to Alpharetta. And as we got out here, he started exploring. I met this Cherokee guy up in Dahlonega. Mm-hmm. And um, he showed me the, the native flute. I thought it was really cool and wanted to try learn how to play it you know at the time you go man i think i could never do that right of course and um yeah yeah i was at a i was at a native festival i was at a powwow in texas with my mom and came across this guy he, he had him for sale for like 15 bucks I'm like oh, you know i could i could throw 15 dollars as a little investment and i guess you could say i just took to it like a duck takes the water uh-huh. and so i was playing that everywhere and then i had pe- i had friends of mine who put on powwows that would have me come up and play during dinner breaks. And mm. when I was going to college, you know, trying to figure a way to make ends meet and pay the bills, you know, it's yeah. just having options. Like, why don't you put a CD out and see how that does? And before you know it, I'm traveling the country and internationally just playing Native American flute. You know, that's how I got into the music industry, at least. Yeah, and it's a... Uh... It's kind of it's it's a great instrument because for mainstream I want to call mainstream like a general thing but for what you would typically hear it's 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 a unique flavor that gets added in. Yeah. Um, in fact, I was listening to your most recent one, "Cover Me Up," and uh, it's it's like a it's like a sauce that's in there in a, yeah. in a dessert. It's so delicious sounding and. Uh, do you is that your go to instrument or do you are you taking more to guitar these days or what what if you were just to pick up an instrument from all the ones you've collected, what would be your uh, your your go to one? I tend to pick up guitar more these days than I do with flute, but I was mainly because I got so burnt out in doing it. Um every time I showed up to a festival or showed up somewhere uh. and a lot of times I just kinda come chill out, Hey did you bring your flute, hey did you bring your flute, hey did you bring your flute <laughs> and it's like so much of that I'm just like I don't want to do this anymore but uh, I, I'll tend to pick up my guitar more but I, I still I still grab a flute every now and then on my own uh, outside of a show especially like if I'm kind of just like somewhere out in the middle of nowhere like uh, I was up in Glacier National Park up there in uh, Flathead Lake near the Flathead Lake area in Montana mm-hmm. and you know I had my flutes with me out there in the middle of the woods nowhere it's kind of cool yeah oh, but, i can imagine that is the instrument to kind of have with the landscape and the and the scenery yeah. oh that'd be beautiful so cool um so let's yeah let's draw that connection because you are fully embedded in in bringing i think bringing forth the native american culture into what you do and it's a, it's it's part of you it is you do you find how do you find that is um is it a is it making an an easy road for you a difficult road? Um, is is it something you have to kind of teach people when you come when you go do a gig at just a you know you know yeah. normal place? How does how does it go for you? I would say all of the above. Huh. So you know, like you said, it is me. That, that was the biggest thing. That like I said, how I got started playing music, but also you know being indigenous is just who I am. You know, being Lakota and Taino. You know just part of the culture 
and I live it every day. And so, you know, it's cool to be able to showcase that and promote that and kind of bring some awareness to, you know, the fact that Native people are still here and we don't all look like what you see in Hollywood. Some of us are a little light, little more light-skinned than others. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a way that kind of connects me with that and has afforded me opportunities to be able to be a part of that community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's, it's hard sometimes because you, you get a genuine uh, feel of two different people. You either get those who are wanting to be connected but don't understand. So it's like, you know, they know the stereotypes from like Dance of the Fools and um, Avatar and all those other indigenous-style films. Interesting. Uh, yeah. You know, what's your spirit animal? My great-grandma was a turkey princess, you know, stuff like uh-huh. that. And it's like having to discern the difference between native cultures because like, you know, I'm telling you right now, Lakota and Cherokee are two different parts of the country as well as two different languages, mm-hmm. two different, completely different cultures. Each individual tribe is its own nation. So to try to sit there, explain that, and then they want you to be the expert on it. Oh. And of course, you just get ignorant people, you know, do the, uh, the, Fake Chief Wahoo McDaniel war cry thing, or the tomahawk chop, or mm. you know how Kimo Sabi, you know, speak broke English, broke dialect. You, you know, you get all kinds, but really? you know, it, it, it makes it a little frustrating because it's like you know, hey man, I'm just a human being, just like anybody else. Yeah. You know, we all come from different areas, but you know, and then for me it's hard to struggle balance because I play out so much and it's, it's a job that I forget to leave time to go do powwows and native festivals. So you kind of start feeling that disconnect kind of being like on a desert Island. Uh, that's one thing I like about being in South Dakota a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I'm right there in the homeland of my, my tribe. And, you know, there's a higher native population, especially in rapid city where I'm staying. And it's like easier to kind of connect and not feel like a token Indian. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hear what you're Which, saying. That's probably more the struggle with it is, you know, staying connected while being distant from all of it. Yeah. And that's, uh, that, that's to me what your story is, is quite unique from some of the other artists I talk to that come from different cultures. It's just, it's a, so in, in South Dakota and, in your area, it, you feel at home and you're nurturing yourself. And then when you take it out into areas that may not as be as welcoming, that's where, yeah. you know, there's going to be perhaps some well, big welcome, like, Oh, I was not expecting this to the, the ones you mentioned to the other side of it. And uh, I hate to hear that because, you know, you're, like you said, you're sharing an art, you're sharing a gift that, um, that some people don't even realize is, is what it is. It's yeah. a gift, and it's and you're just delivering it, and uh, yeah. to, to heckle that. More not, yeah, well, more often than not, it's usually positive experiences. Oh, that's it's, good. It's a lot of just having to learn to be patient. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I've had people sit down and talk with me and teach me, and it's like the big thing is not everybody knows. You know, not everybody was either blessed to grow up with it, blessed to be around teachers who know it or even just be around it in general. You know, to me, there's a lot I didn't know growing up because I grew up in a military family. I grew up uh, separated from it in a more Latin-dominated area. So, you know, I knew more what it meant to be, like, Puerto Rican and be Mexican than I did indigenous. And it's like, over time, is where you start really... I, I had really great teachers who, you know, took the time to take me under their wing. And that's, and that's just it, you know, it's having to be patient and understand that everybody knows it, you know, mm-hmm. you can't fault somebody for being ignorant of something they've never been a part of. Sure. And that's kind of like my attitude and approach to everything. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of posts of yours that, are, that reflect that, where if you can carry with you like this, just patience and understanding and just a willingness to listen, it seems like yeah. as, as a human, you can kind of go pretty far. And uh, mm-hmm. we can always hope that for, for many people. Um, well, that that's so cool. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, lessons along the way, because if you, 
if you could like kind of look back way to the beginning when you first picked up that flute, would there be anything you might do um, differently? Would you, if you could talk to your younger self at that time and say, Hey, this is, you know, it's going to happen along the way. I think, would you counsel, what would you say to your, to your younger self as like to help maybe pave the way a little bit um, easier? I would tell myself to be a little bit more patient and probably more open to trying different things. Um, I say that because like I didn't learn the guitar, but like three, four years ago, mm. and I've, I've had a guitar. I just, you know, it was like, ah, it's too hard. Ah, I'll get to it later. Ah, I'll get to it later. And it's like, you know, if I would have put the time into it that I do now, you know, where would I be? But I think it happened in a good way where I, I found a good appreciation for everything. If anything, I wouldn't change what I've gone through because every lesson has made me smarter, tougher. And at the same time, it's, you know, it's built me into a better human being. It's taught me how to be humble and not forget where I come from. And, you know, to remember my family and how important that is. You know, if anything, like I said, all I would tell my younger self is just be, be patient you know, be willing to open your mind to different possibilities and just don't forget where you come from. Yeah, that's really great advice. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to redo everything, but you're right in the sense that struggles kind of make make us who we are. And uh, as long oh, as yeah. you can keep the fundamental patience and understanding, you, you can get through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. So do you have a network around you? I know, um, like you said, you, you try to reconnect and get into powwows and, and, and reimmerse for your like nuclear group that's around you. You have a nice uh, core supportive um, family with you that, that can, Hey Ryan, yeah, you can do it. They're sort of like cheerleaders for you. It, you know, it took a while to develop it. Um, a lot of, a lot of my family outside of my dad and my, my dad's mom, my grandma, his side of the family and my other grandma, outside of my grandma's and my dad, not a lot of people really supported doing music. More kind of like, oh, it's a good hobby. That's not a real job. You need to get a real job. And over time, you know, after seeing the hustle and what I was able to do, had paid to go to college and everything, it's like I've gotten a really good support system. And then my extended family through the, the Native community out here, you know, they're they're the ones who got me started. They're the ones that got me playing. And, you know, to this day, they're the ones that kind of help keep me going when I hit those hard parts. Because, I mean, it, it's a struggle sometimes. Like, I've been in some communities where it's like, you know, as artists, you know, we try to support each other. Or I believe that we should try to support each other. Mm-hmm. It's like if they bring out new singles or have dates or whatever come out, and I always try to share it or try to make an acknowledgement. And, then there's times like, you know, if I start doing something, it's like crickets, like nobody's there. It's like, oh, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought we were all in this together. But, you know, so it kind of makes you jaded mm-hmm. about people. But my family, you know, them being there and kind of reintroducing me to stuff and, you know, keeping me sane from going through all that remind me that, you know, it just is what it is the real people are always going to be there no matter what. Absolutely. There have been. Yeah. I I, I find that's true universally of people I've talked to is that there's, you gotta, you gotta find them either they're done by blood (laughs) and you're giving them or you, you seek them out and, uh, and you kind of quickly who, who will stand with you when, when times are tough. And yeah, I'm glad that you got that. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about gear. Um, uh, actually, to be honest with you, I hadn't heard of, um, is it Baldacci? Yeah. Okay. I pronounce it yeah. right. Yeah. Tell me about those guitars. Um, Baldacci is 100% custom made to your liking and support. And um, he's a good friend of mine. Actually, I got introduced to him by another artist, um, artist by the name of Trey Odom, which definitely recommend people check him out. A little tough, little shout out. Yeah, but uh, we were sitting... We, we were sitting together one time at his house and we were talking. I was telling him, like, because I had a, I remember I had a breed love. I absolutely hated that guitar. Oh, wow. But it was, 
what I had and he said, okay, well, I'm ready to get like a better guitar. I think I might go get a Martin or something. Yeah. You know, I was planning on, you know, paying a grand or so to get me something. He's like, why are you, you going to do that? Just get one made for you. And he showed me his, his, uh, his custom guitar that he got. His is a semi hollow body. Actually, he's probably got like five or six in him now, but <laughs> it was a semi hollow body he showed me. And then he also showed me all the stuff that his friend was doing online. And the one that his girlfriend was getting made, an acoustic his girlfriend was getting made. So, introduced me to Connor. Me and Connor started talking. We kind of went through. And I got the last acoustic guitar Connor will ever build. Oh, really? Why is he retiring? It, no, he just said um, it takes. There's too much calculation and factors and variables that go into making the acoustic. Oh. So he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna stick with hollow bodies and semi hollow bodies and and like like stretch. And I actually got a uh, hollow body I'm getting from him here in about a month that he's making me. But uh, this guitar, to tell you the craftsmanship that he put into it, um, he walked with me the whole process, talking about you know, what kind of body style, what the body style influence for the guitar, the different wood types, and so much so, I told him, like, I really want to do something that kind of speaks to my culture and who I am, and I went through with him on some designs and stuff, and he went the extra mile, because we were talking about, I remember, we were talking about doing a cedar top, and, like, he was going, because I wanted to do poplar, because I've always I have a flute that's poplar. I just love the look of mineral set poplar. It's like, I know you want to get some now. Try to recommend spruce. When I mentioned cedar, it's like, we can try to get you something. And he actually got cedar from Spearfish, South Dakota. Cedar straight from the Black Hills to make this guitar. Really? Huh. And then, like, me and my dad did a mock-up design of, like, like, ledger art courses and stuff. And, Connor painted it on the guitar, and it's like the care and attention that he put into this guitar. It's a, it's a one of it's like you said, it's like a one of one, one of a kind, and it's like with that, it has such unique sound. He sent it to my buddy Trey because he didn't have my address, along with Trey's girlfriend's guitar. And Trey picks up mine, and immediately Trey's like, "Okay, I want one like this," <laughs> and, and Connor's like, "Yeah." Good luck. I'm never doing it again. <laughs> but uh, but even like with this semi hollow body that we're making, he's doing the same thing. We're getting wood out of Black Hills to kind of keep that Hisasa, that sacred homeland, with me no matter where I go. Oh, that's nice. And I mean, just the attention that Connor puts into what he does is amazing. And I mean, he he makes sure that the guitar is functioning. Like whenever I have issues with it, I call him up and. He's probably annoyed of me talking to him, <laughs> bugging him. Yeah, but he'll walk me through like how to fix it, how to troubleshoot it. Uh, he's got these locking pegs. They're the simplest to use for changing strings, uh-huh. but, you but they look it? complicated. Uh-huh. If you and I've heard, I've had the top adjustment for the lock on the tuner pegs. I've had five of them bust through different luthiers in three different states, mm-hmm. and. I message Connor. He's like, another one, really. <laughs> but he he sends it out within a couple of days and nice gets it fixed. You know, so you know, I look forward to getting my sending hollow, getting my hollow body from him soon, and highly recommend him, him as far as like if anybody's looking for like an electric guitar. There's a, another maker locally in Georgia too that makes a good acoustic though. If people are looking for one, uh, Rose Creek Guitars. Yeah, I, I just Rose uh, Creek. yeah, yeah. He just did uh, some fret work on my guitar, and I mean, he does amazing stuff as well, Rick. I mean, yeah, I've seen, guys, a, I've I, seen a couple of artists uh, pop up with the Rose Creek stuff, and uh, they look really nice too. Yeah, I tell you, like I I didn't believe the custom hype train that everybody was saying, but I'm. I'm happy with the guitar that I've gotten. And I've, I've played it all over the country and I've gotten several compliments from, and from musicians or like just the natural tone of that guitar. I don't know if it's the wood combo we use, but my guitar that we had made, it just, everything came out perfect where it has a good high end, a great resonance in that low end. Yeah. 
So which, I, which one did you, was it that guitar that you used for cover me up? Yes. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm not lying to you. I'm looking at my notes right here and I wrote this, I'll read word for word. Sound is so with an O that when it goes off the page, sound is so rich from the guitar. <laughs> yeah. That's literally my so, takeaway note from that song was just it. The, the low end is especially just like it hums. In oh your yeah. Ear. Yeah. So originally when we, I was working with my friend Tom Freer up at a Cottonwood recording in Rapid City. And we were just sitting there. I told him, because I have a friend, his name's Andrew Jett. Everybody knows him as Track Kid. like the second biggest artist in South Dakota. And he just, he's like, oh yeah, I'm releasing this single, this secret release. And I was bringing out my song Made for Two. And I'm like, you know, I'd be cool if I just threw another one in there. Just said, screw it. Here you go. One for, here's two for one. And <laughs> Cover Me Up's like my favorite song to play. Um, it's my favorite one that somebody else has written and I love Jason Isbell and like his his passion he brought into it. And so I was sitting with Tom. We we went through it one night with Tom's Martin and it was just out of tune, didn't sound right. So we went back in the studio and I got my guitar back from the shop. Mm-hmm. Um the, the locking peg broke and I had I'm to surprised. get a fresh hub. But uh and we used it on like a top. We used it. And that's what you hear. Um, the acoustic sound is it's and it's just straight. I mean, Tom doesn't really do a ton. It, Tom loves to get the more natural sound for the guitar out. Wow. Not put like a ton of plugins and effects on it. And that's what you hear. That's amazing. I mean, it's just straight up. Yeah, that if that for natural sound, I, I would I. That's it. <laughs> and to listen to it live, I can only imagine that with the resonance in certain areas, um, I would really look forward to hearing that. So I'm glad to know that you're taking yeah. that thing around with you and going to different venues. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's my ride or die. It's been there with me from Colorado to Montana and Texas and all over Southeast. It's, it's it's just so much easier to play and that's the weird part I can say because I used to love playing classical because it was bigger Mm -hmm. I liked having a wider fretboard and the moment I got this guitar these these chords I could never hit I'm starting to hit them easier and it's just like I guess there's like the perfect concoction of everything that needed to happen Ah. well there you go that's a custom guitar for you right down to the the way it plays I put about Dachi for you yeah I'm great to hear that. Yeah, if you don't mind, actually, at the end of this, send me the um, information. I can post that on your page um, when we yeah, publish for this. Yeah, sure. I'd be great to send some people that direction. Cool. Um, well, actually, let's talk a little bit about, I'd, I'd love to know, since you said we were talking about the natural sound of that guitar, what for you is the um, the songwriting process and then the recording process? Do you have, is it more of a, like, you're going to sit down and think of some lyrics? Are you thinking about music first or is it does it's different every time it's just when inspiration strikes or how do where when your songs come about how do they generally come about you know i have i kind of think like a song that i i have one song that i sat down and like i put work and just like i need to write this i need to do this now mm-hmm. every other song that i've written has just been kind of a a moment in my life that I was just feeling something and the words started flowing and just pulled it out and you know came up with what ended up getting get that getting recorded and released. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, one of the first songs I released was called uh, If It Was Me and it's like I used to work at PBR in Atlanta as a bull operating mechanical bull and I'd see all these guys coming with their girlfriends and just, you know, two beers forget who they came with, ogling all the quote-unquote buckle bunny cocktail waitresses and mm-hmm. you know, their girlfriends get mad upset. They come to me, throw $20 in my tip bucket, tell me to toss his ass off the bull. And, uh, you know, I just thought about, you know, God, here you guys have something. I wish I had somebody. Yeah. But you guys have it. You know, if it was different, you know, if it was me, I would, I would have done. And before you know it, I got home one night, sat down, and 
started writing it out. Is it worth it? And I, that's how I had a song. Even like my song Made for Two that I just released. You know, I was going through a hard relationship. Uh, the girl I was dating, just her ex-boyfriend came back to town. She decided he was a better fit than I was. And you know, I just remember one night we were dancing together. And before I know it, oof, there's the song. Oh, like wow. a lot of a lot of my songs are are passion. It's just whatever's hitting me in life is ready to come out and be said. I only have one song that I'm like I have no clue where this came from. I just <laughs> heard this rhythm in my head one time in the shower, and I was, like I wrote it down and like oh this would be a cool song. It's like you know about an ending relationship, and well, I haven't been in one in seven years, and I don't really feel this way, but here you go. Yeah. Here's a new song. <laughs> That's so interesting. So taking you back to those those two songs with the very distinct um, situations surrounding them, do you think in the moment was it um, a struggle to like bring those emotions through into music or did you find it just kind of channeled and you're like, you almost felt compelled to do this song or... Because I know it's like some people when they're sad or if they're going through something, they might write some stuff down, like to journal about it, right? It, yeah. Was it like, I think a, a song could come out of this, or did you feel like there's a song coming? You know what I'm saying? Was there an emotional push yeah. to make it happen? I would say, yes. Um, those were one of like the few times I let myself actually feel, and it's like uh-huh. I, I have something I want to say. And... I need to say it and write it out and writing it out. Just it all comes like a river. It's like, like for me, I go through a lot of stages of writing block where I'm sitting here trying to put something down and I can't figure it out. And then all of a sudden something happens or something resonates with me and I start putting it all on paper. And then it's like the whole song comes out at one point and it's, it's crazy, you know, and it took a long time to get to where I would let myself feel that. Um, I have a song I wrote called, uh, I've got there like several different names with it. I think Never Going Back is the current running title. I haven't recorded it, but mm-hmm. I went through a hard relationship, which is what sent me into playing guitar and singing. Oh, yeah. And it's like, everybody's like, use that, feel that, use that. And I never wanted to feel that. I never wanted to relive it. It's like nose to the grindstone, keep your head down, keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to associate anything with that heartbreak. And one night, I was at a songwriter fest, songwriter night with a good friend of mine named Zach Talbert in Texas. And I just like, there's a Georgia girl in the back of my mind, probably haunt me till the day I die. And from there, I was like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to start putting this out. And just, you know, ended up getting a, a sleeper of a song out of it. That's amazing. That's what I love is like that organic. You just, it's almost like coming out of your pores, and uh, and it makes it just so you'll know for the fans, for the people listening. It we most of us can find that line and go, you know what, this must have really happened, and I can feel it. And it makes it like yeah. a magic experience to kind of go through it with you. That's so yeah. I mean, that's the thing with like me and my songs is I guess I'm more of like a storyteller with it. And I, the songs I write, if, if there's a passion, I guess I want you to feel from it. Mm-hmm. It's not like, hey, let's go down to the river, drink beers, <laughs> ride out in the truck and all that. You know, your, your typical pop standard song. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I just, I, I feel, and it's just like, maybe that's that passion in me, is I want people to feel that same passion that I felt. That's great. Yeah. Is that something that you would recommend to somebody who's who maybe is picking up their flute for the first time, or picking up a guitar, or something, they're like, you know what, I kind of feel like I, I want to do this, or I want to try it at least. Would you, and they're young, it's hard to tell a young person, you know, you need to feel, try to feel, but is that do you think that's good advice in general just to, as a songwriter to try to get in touch with your inner thoughts and emotions and not just write about 
observations in the world, or is there a place for that too? You know, um, minus the expletives, one of my favorite lines in film was in that movie, A Star is Born. When uh, Bradley Cooper, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, you only have 12 notes. You have the same 12 notes as anybody else. Mm-hmm. That's about what you have to say. But, you know, saying what you have to say and putting what you got, and, you know, forgetting what everybody else is opinion about. It's about your voice. And that's what I would recommend if someone start out is just don't be afraid to put your own emotion, your own story out there. We all have a story to tell, you know. Mm-hmm. It may, you know, maybe it's not going to play a top 40 Nashville. Maybe it's not going to play in, in a bar on Broadway there in Nashville. Maybe it's not going to hit the number one or be in the dance track, be there at the club or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I think more people are wanting to flood through these songs. You know, it's like I said, for me, cover me up. I love that song because I love not only the story of why Jason wrote it, dealing with his addiction and his struggles and how his wife was there, kind of helped pull him through it. Mm-hmm. But it's the passion you hear him sing it with. I mean, you could say the same thing about a Stapleton song. Yes. Especially if, like, if you see Stapleton live. Honestly, if you're looking for like a show, it's terrible. He doesn't say nothing. He just thinks and moves on. But to see him sing and just stare at his wife while he sings, the musicianship's always top notch. But to see that connection he has with that his wife, especially with the love songs and putting them out there, that's what music's about, you know. Absolutely. And I I think that's the thing some of us try, some of us forget is that we're we're all sitting here, fortunately, seeking fame, you know, seeking that song that make us the money. Yeah. But, you know, you can, you can take four chords and talk about a tan leg Juliet and a redneck Romeo and, <laughs> you know, talk about getting drunk and being on a dirt road and country music and, you know, somebody will buy it. It'll be number one. But what are people going to think of that? You know, it's to me, it's more about putting your story and letting people feel that, yeah. feel who you are as a person. You know, being a musician is very vulnerable. And as a young songwriter, I'd say don't, don't be afraid of that vulnerability. It makes us human. It takes more strength to feel emotion than it does to hide it. I love that. And you're absolutely right. It does. And it's, I hear that time and time again from people I talk to is like to dig deep and and talk about the things that have happened personally to people for one to just to talk about it with someone is one thing, but to, to record it, put music to it and play it um, and broadcast it to the world. That's, that's hard, but it's a lesson, you know, for everyone who might go through something similarly. 100. I applaud you for that. Um, so talking about that big hit or whatever, um, what would be, if we could kind of align the stars a little bit for you in, in the future, what would you, would you love to continue um, as you are as a touring musician um, playing venues that you like in different places and, and doing it as is, or would you like to scale it up or scale it back or ha- what would it look like if you could just kind of, uh, write a check for, for the future for yourself? What would you love to see? Well, I want to scale it up to the point that, you know, I want to do shows where it's more my music than just sitting there playing covers for two mm-hmm. to three hours. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. like That's where I want to get to is being able to share my songs that I've written and develop those out more. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I was talking with my friend Unique the other day. I used to work for him at UAB Studios in Norcross, Georgia. And, you know, he asked me, because I'm, I'm at that point, I'm beating my head against the wall because I like what I do, but there's something that's kind of, maybe I'm, I'm overworking myself by far. Mm. But it's like, I'm, I want to move up to the next spot. And he's also like, well, what do you want to do? If I, if I could open, 
if I have the keys to the kingdom, right. get you right now, we put you in Nashville, get you arrested there, get you played, whatever. What, why, why do you want to do it? And I'll be honest, man. I like what I do. I like to travel. It's, it's really lonely. But, like, this weekend I played up at Living Water Winery in Blairsville. Um, yeah, I saw you probably post come about out that. A few weeks. Yeah, it's probably going to come out a few weeks later. So this is, you know, in the before times. Mm-hmm. But uh, I played there, and just the fun everybody had, that made it to me. I played a gig a couple weeks ago where very, very small crowd showed up. And before you know it, under the night, I've got 40 minutes left in my set. And handful of people there and I'm like oh, do you guys want to hear original music you want to hear my stuff yeah. and when I sat there and started storytelling why I love these songs explained them played them and those moments because I had those every now and then I actually I tend to have them more often than not at a gig that's why I want to get to that next step is mm-hmm. where I that's all I have to do I don't have to worry about playing you know Proud Mary or Brown Eyed Girl or or um uh What's that one that everybody plays in Nashville? Um, hey, I play I play it way too often. Oh, uh, rock me, mama. Oh, wagon wheel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that way. You know, I can cut that and just be like, these are the songs I play. This is why because I've got those songs in my set list that are just basically there to appease everybody. But a lot of my song choices are stuff that I grew up with or have a memory with, like, mm. Kiss an Angel, Good Morning. I play that song a lot, and it's because it reminds me of my grandpa. You know, my grandpa used to dance with my grandma. He'd sing that song to her. And it's like, you know, I, I want I want to tell those stories, you know? Yeah. And the big, big thing for me is I want to get to a point where maybe I can make, make you know, monetarily, because we do have to look at it as a business. Of course. Where... I'm making what I'm making now, but playing less and having more time to spend with my family. And, you know, if I can make more, that'd be great. I mean, a big reason I'm in this is for my family, you know. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've been taught how important family is. And I just, if I make 100000 if I make 500 if I make a million dollars, $500,000, I just want to be able to do enough to help my family, you know, yeah. tell my dad, dad, you could quit that job. Just come work for me. Tell my mom, she don't got to worry about her medical bills. You know, I got you. That's where I want to get. That's the goal. Okay. Well, that, that, that is a fundamentally wonderful way to be because like you're focused right where, where you should be. And, and I, I think you can, you can do it because your songs, I love that you, feel so much about your songs that when they start to get into your set and you're done with some of the covers and you feel that, that connection in the storytelling with the audience. I love that. Cause that's, I think where the magic of most um, concerts happen where, you know, the artist and the, and the public connect and they, you know, Oh yeah. Cool. And, and you know, it's like the storytelling side of it. I don't know. To me, that's one thing I love. One of my favorite albums, is a Cody Canada album from Across Canadian Ragweed. Hmm. He's got this album. It's called Something Old, Something New, maybe a cover or two. And it's just a solo acoustic album recorded live. And he'll play like maybe a minute, two minutes and a half of the song. The rest of it is him telling the story of how it got written or what happened in Oklahoma or this one time that he got pulled over <laughs> and they found 51 pieces of drug paraphernalia but couldn't find no weed because they smoked it all. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my favorite album. And I just, I love that story. Just, it connects you to the artist. It connects you to the person, you know. I think that's one thing a lot of artists tend to lack. You know, I, it, it's funny. I saw... I heard Tyler Childers' record, uh, was it Live at the Red Barn? And it's clean. And when he talks about him, that song, it's clean, it's great performance. I wish I could have seen that live. Because I saw him with Sergio Simpson. And, you know, it was a good show. Musically, it was great. It just did nothing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's when we personalize and remember 
the people we're around, you know, we're human beings at the end of the day. Absolutely. As Malk would say, wawakola, or quietly, be humble. Huh. You know, whether you have a million dollars or you have two dollars in your pocket, we all put our pant legs on one leg at a time. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> yes, that's for sure. I think that's that's what I want to get to is where I can relate with people. I think that's important. I think it's well, a, it's admirable. I think you can you can do that, and I and and I know that as a fan and as other fans, I speak for them all the time. But that's what we love to do is is find that connection and not just see that dirt road. <laughs> you know, we want to see the person. Yeah, if they're there yeah. on the dirt road and what happened there. So uh, I think keep pushing it out and uh, and letting it land on people so we can we can appreciate it. Um, so yeah. you're you're a hard guy to track down because you tour so much. But um, I always like to kind of finish with um, how the best way for people to reach you. Um, you mentioned your website earlier. Is that is it would that be your go to spot, or are you you pretty active on social media, or do you kind of let that be? Where would you like I'm, people to reach for you? Uh, so I'm pretty active on social media these days. Instagram is probably one of the easier ways to find me, and my Instagram handle is. Uh, Little Eagle underscore music. Of course, you can find me on Facebook too. I've gotten pretty good about responding there. But if you're trying to find me like on Twitter and all that, forget it. <laughs> uh, I do have a TikTok, but I'm very terrible at that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd rather be out in the woods than sitting there trying to make a video. So I'll <laughs> try to throw one out when I get a second. But I mean, those are key areas you can hit me you can also go to my website which is just ryanlittleeaglemusic.com and you know those are great ways to keep in touch with me and i'm pretty decent on responding back if i don't respond back right away just know that i will get to it it's just on my list of things mm-hmm. proverbial list yeah i know we've all got but, our lists right <laughs> yeah well it has been great talking to you and um, i love I love this, the centeredness that you have and the approach you have to music. And uh, I can't wait for everyone else to explore your music. We're going to put um, a track of yours here at the, the beginning and end of this so people can enjoy. And just please, if you're listening, um, you know, look him up, follow him, do all the likes, do all the stuff, as people say, and uh, and, and give him some love because this guy, he's, he's, he's the essence, right? Touring musician, um, speaking from the heart, and uh and there's just nothing more genuine than that in this world so um, i appreciate your time ryan and uh i wish appreciate you the best you, and uh if you want to uh, when something happens on down the road give me a holler and we'll get you back on and we'll we'll share the the news does that sound good sounds great fantastic appreciate you man Thanks absolutely for i appreciate you too and uh stay in touch all right we'll do man all right take it easy all right folks yeah alone on the dance floor Sliding back and forth across the room Our favorite song playing on the radio Nothing there between us but this night We're moving together with the beat of love And nothing matters, it's just me and you I'll hold you tight in those arms of mine In this love Made for two 
I'm lost in those blue wires of yours You're listening to the rhythm from my heart We're in this moment with no one else Caught in an instant in time It's just and it's still We're moving together With the beat of love And nothing matters It's just me and you I'll hold you tight in those arms of mine I'm twirling you around and watching you smile Light up the room like the sun I see you shining with stars above To me, you are the Made for two Made for two Me and 